Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We've got a good group of people here. We've got a good group of people that will watch this uh, in God's timing. If you're watching it today or in the future, I pray God's blessing upon you and ask that God would touch your heart, speak to you, and uh, just that his will would be done in, in your life, in your families, and throughout this world in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can pray. Thank you, Father, we are not alone in this world. That, Lord, from eternity past, we were on your mind. And, Lord, that, that thought, as it may be thought of, was to have a relationship with us. And, Lord, that just con consumes us. It baffles our minds because, Lord, the God of all creation came down and, and walked amongst men, touched people like people had never, ever experienced before and gave us and went to Calvary and died for the sins of the world. Thank you. We thank you for that, Lord. We'll be forever grateful and thankful. And Lord, today, we want that relationship with you. We do not want to go through the motions. We don't want to go through any type of religious ceremony, Lord. We want a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we ask you by the power of your spirit that every person here in this place and every person watching this, that you would touch and you would you would touch people like never before, Lord. And that they would know there is a God who loves me and who wants to commune with me and fellowship with me and have a relationship with me. We pray today that you would do that, Lord. And we thank you and praise you throughout eternity. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're talking about repentance. When I was called in a ministry, one of the things that I felt <clears throat> very important about in my calling, and that was in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, and lo, I am, uh, all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that one thing, make disciples. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about equipping the saints for the works of the ministry. That has been my calling, and I'll continue on. And in that process of teaching, we teach, obviously, those things Jesus to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just stop there with that relationship with Jesus Christ. It actually, that's just the beginning of the relationship. God wants to do so much more in your life and my life than what we would ever imagine. And so that's where we are today and what we are doing that I believe is in preparation for a revival to take place in the church and then an awakening across this nation. And I believe it is a preparation. Now you'd say, well, what if we don't have revival? What if we don't see uh, people coming into the kingdom like what maybe what we thought they would? Well, we're being prepared for heaven, okay? What we do on this earth is not wasted. What we do in, on this earth is actually in preparation for the position that we will have there in heaven. We'll be there in heaven. So uh, I want to encourage you with that. That's my calling, and I'll continue. Make disciples. People that can minister to other people. People that will pray for one another. People that will be followers of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what it's all about. And so we'll continue on to stay the course with that. And in the teaching and the leadership, that's where my whole focus and vision is. So in this particular teaching on repentance, you don't normally hear about it talked about. We know that a lot of times there's an invitation to receive Jesus Christ into your life if you've never been saved. You've never asked Him to be your personal Lord and Savior. That's vital. It's most important, certainly here. But certainly, involved with that is certainly confession to the Lord that you're a sinner and you're in need of a Savior. And then there is repentance, which is changing your mind about your sins changing your mind about the direction that you're going and that change of your mind actually begins to change your direction in life begins to change the things that you uh that way you see certain things and so repentance is actually beginning here and actually sifts through the heart to change our behavior we're going to have trouble with this mic aren't we pull it back okay and so that's what I want to talk about because I believe that is actually um, so important because I believe before revival will come, God is going to come and he's going to uh, revive. He's going to awaken. Actually, revival means to wake something up that's dead. OK, he's going to wake you up to how wonderful he is, how great he is, but also to how holy he is. And holiness is definitely a part of this whole thing. Because the Bible says without holiness, no man will see God. And if you're saved in here today, you've been positionally made holy. You're positioned in that place. But that holiness, that walk of holiness is, is each and every day. It's decisions that we make. Actually, Lynette and I were talking about it before church. It's choices that we make each and every day. And those cho- choices are guided by the Holy Spirit's direction in your life and my life. And so repentance is actually allowing God to come in and change our hearts and make us more like Jesus, okay? To change our behavior. To obviously get rid of some things, maybe habits, maybe things that we, we've kind of cycled through and we come back around to, we just can't get rid of them, and so forth. God wants to set us free. And it comes from repentance because many times there are things that are in our lives we just didn't know they were there. And at various times, God shows us, and that's his business. And he will do that if we're willing to open our heart to him. And so when we look at this particular scripture in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, we read it last week, and we can stand and read it together if you like. And you say it with me. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, They shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. He says, come. So how will we start? And I mentioned, I'm just going to summarize. And I'm going to go into the latter part of what I want to talk about. So how do we do that? We come. You just come, right? When you came to Jesus, you came. Here I am, Lord. I don't understand what's going on here. I'm just convicted. And I realize that what a wretch I am. And I need your forgiveness. Come into my life and save me. And right behind that sense of obviously that total depravity 
comes the grace of God and the blood that cleanses us and we realize we're forgiven. And it's kind of like, wow, I'm free. Come, but you had to come. You had to make a decision. You had to make a choice that you would step out and say, I'm going to come. I've heard the preacher talking about this. I've opened the word of God. I've heard uh, about Jesus all my life, but I've never come. You've got to come. You've got to come. God waits upon us to come. He says, come. And he's telling us now, as far as repentance, he's saying, come, come to me. Come to me, all you who are, are burdened and heavy laden. And he says, he'll give us rest for our souls. So we come to Jesus. Amen. Isn't that simple? Isn't it? But we make a choice. Why is it man won't come? It's because they're proud. They don't believe they need anything. We've got it made. I've got my bank account. I've got my big house. I've got my cars. I've got a nice paying job. I've got all these things. Don't need anything. And God said, now you, <laughs> yes, you do. You realize that at some point you're going to come to a place to where you step out into eternity. We all know, obviously, what is the old expression? There are two certain things in life, taxes and death. By the way, I was talking to Joanne about our taxes here. I was praying. I said, Lord, Cindy and I were working on it. And, and we've had a stalemate and I had to go in the kitchen. I said, Lord, I, we need help. We need help. We don't, we, we're, we're kind of stammied here and all. And we went back in there and Cindy and I, we, Cindy sat down and we were going through it and all. And bam, bam, the answer came. So, yep, only two things certain, taxes and death, right? So man knows that they're not going to be here forever. But they live as if they are. And pay no attention to God. And see, that's where we are in our culture today. It's kind of like there's no attention being to God. But let me tell you something. The good thing about it is you're here today because you're paying attention. You would not be here if God didn't have some blessing in store for each one of us. Amen. That's, that's truth. You're not here because somehow you showed up over here off of Third Street. You're here because God has that divine appointment. I believe that Ed and Nancy were talking about divine appointment. You're here to connect with God. You're here corporately. Now, you can do that wherever you are because God wants that. But something happens when God's people come together. And we learn and we grow together. We rub shoulders one with another. Our faith is strengthened, okay? So you've come today. Man, that's good news. That's great today. So God's got something for you or you wouldn't be here today. God wants it for everybody. The whole Bible, Nancy, by the way, come on to Sunday school because she's going through the books of the Bible and she went through Genesis today. And it was talking about the in the whole book, it's, it's kind of like bless, bless, the word blessed and blessing were all with, was continuously throughout the book. God wants to bless us in that way. Now, I know sometimes the blessings come in different ways. But the bottom line is God wants to bless us. And he blessed us by sending his son Jesus Christ into the world. The ultimate blessing he is. And yet, in many ways throughout our life, he's blessed me. He blessed me with that prayer to try to get through this tax season. Amen. <laughs> he blesses us when obviously Janet and them, they're praying for a refrigerator that God would pray would would supply the need there and the food that she needs each week to to feed the people that are coming in here. God gives us obviously that blessing of each and every morning that we can get up and we say good morning lord instead of saying good lord is morning. Okay, right? Can we do that? And so he blesses, isn't he? But we've got to come. We got to pay attention. We got to realize who he is. 
that he is with us. He's here right now. At various times, he manifests his presence, obviously. And, and the essence of who he is, we realize that. But he's here with us. He's here when we leave this place. He's always with us. And he wants to bless us. But we got to come. But he goes on and he says, now, now, don't wait. How many of us, we're going along and God's convicting us to do something. And we're going, not now, Lord, not now, I'm busy. Or maybe I've, my plate is full right now, Lord. And God's saying, but I want you to do that because why? This whole walk is a walk of faith anyway. It's not going to be us doing it. And so when we step out in faith, we realize that God works through our prayers, through our walk of faith, believing when nothing makes sense. Not a thing. But he says, come now. Because a lot of times when I wait, you know what I do? I mentioned it last week. I talk myself out of it. I talk myself out of it, don't you? I think I heard God and I'm not real sure. And then I start praying, Lord, and, and really we need to step out. Okay? Again, if, if the voice tells you to step out in front of a Mack truck, it's not God. Okay? But if you hear God speaking today and we need to listen and we need to obey. And He's looking for people who will obey. And then He'll speak more and more. He'll speak to us. And He says, so He says, come now, do it. Do what I've asked you to do right now. And the wonderful thing is when you do respond like that, and you may not understand it, I certainly haven't, I've given my testimony many times, but that testimony that tap, took place when I first went into ministry is just the beginning. It's an everyday walk with the Lord. And then He says, come, let us reason together. Think about it. Well, you know, you think, well, Lord, if I come and, and I reveal this, or, or if I ask you that you would come in and work and take this out of my life, will there be condemnation? No, he already knows it anyway. He just wants to bless you and me. And it means that we've got to come. We've got to come now. And then when we come together, you think about it, the God of all creation says, I want to reason with you. I'm going, why would God want to reason with me? A little peon in that sense. And yet this is who our God is. He stooped down in that. Why would he send Jesus from his royalty in heaven and send him down to be to walk amongst a nasty group of people who didn't like it, a bunch of religious people that thought nothing was wrong with them. And Jesus was going around healing and showing compassion like no one had ever shown before. Why would he want to do that? Because he stooped down and he was man, but he was divinity. He was too. That's a mystery. I don't understand. But he knows what we're going through in life because he experienced it. He experienced rejection. He experienced the hardships. He experienced the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. And yet God says, come, let's reason together. Let me reason with you about this whole thing. Let me tell you, I want, I want to come down and speak to you. Now, let me tell you, when Don said, don't ever underestimate your prayers. Don't ever look and think you're not making a difference. Let me tell you today, we need to come and make a change on that because we are making a difference today. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is in our lives and our obedience to the Lord. Somehow He has chosen to use people like me and you. Somehow He's chosen to use the body of Christ like me and you. Isn't that great? You know, I'll get before the Lord in the morning and I'll sit there and sometimes I'll just sit put on some worship music and I'll sing to him and so forth. And then I just sit there, you know, and, and sometimes emotions rise up in me. 
And, and I, I just his presence, there's a sense of his presence and emotions and tears come to my eyes. But sometimes there doesn't seem to be anything. It's real quiet, real peaceful and so forth. But you know what? God hears me in spite of our emotions. Yes, he made us as emotional people. But obviously, uh, emotions shouldn't drive our thinking. Our thinking should drive our emotions. And I know the truth is that he's always with me and he's there waiting on me and he wants to have that relationship but it doesn't end there when i start the morning it actually takes place throughout the day every moment of every day and that's my prayer folks i want that every moment every day i want to be commune with him i don't want gaps in that communion i want to go on because he is the god of all all creation and the one that comes and says come let me, let's reason together about this and he said though your sins be as scarlet Crimson, red, they'll be white as wool. I'll cleanse you. And see the contrast between a holy, and if you think about it, pure white sense of, of believing uh, white and cleansed being symbolic of God, who he is, versus us and our sinfulness. He said, man, you know, when, uh, when I came to the Lord too, and I know maybe y'all can say the same thing, man, boy, God just reeled off some things in my life that were like, whoa. I realize this, this is, this is, a, I mean, depravity. This is low. They're red. They're real red, Lord. And he came, took those sins away. And I know today where I'm going. And he wants you and I to know the same. So when we come to him and we confess and we repent, he wants you and I to know that we're headed to heaven. Amen. There are a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people do not know where they're going. Nail that down. Go before the Lord. People today are fearful of death and so forth. God says he he took the sting out of death. First Corinthians chapter 15. He took he took the sting out of death. He didn't want us to be afraid. That's not what he did. That's why Jesus came and took that sting out of death away. He wants us, but he's got to come. You got to reason with him. You got to come now. God is calling us to do that. You see, that's the wonderful thing about our God. So what is it? That we should consider our sin again, our sin. We need to consider those things here. Stop justifying these things. Just come get real real with the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't want this habit in my life anymore. I don't want this sin in my life anymore. And come and let him cleanse you. He will not condemn you. He wants us to come before him and just get it right. And he will if we'll come, if we'll repent and come, you're going to be blessed. I guarantee you. If you'll come back and leave this place this week and go before the Lord and just say, Lord, Jim's been talking about repentance. Show me more. I got a little bit, grasping a little bit of, of what's going on there about turning and so forth. But show me, what does that mean for me? Me personally right now. Watch what happens in your life. You watch what happens. So many people are walking around with shame and guilt that they feel weighted down. And God doesn't want that. God wants us to bring that to him because the enemy is constantly accusing us before the Bible says in Revelation before the throne of God. He's constantly saying, you'll never make it. You know, you see how you're, you've got that habit and you've tried to break that habit out of your life for a long period of time. You see how your temper is. You see how impatient you are. You know, the illustration is a lot of people say, Jim, I can't relate to anything that you're saying here today because I don't have any outward, really just bad sins and so forth. 
and all. But I, what are you talking about here? Let me give you an example. And I'll give it to you personally. When I go to the grocery store, I'll look at the lines. And I'll look to see what the shortest line is. Okay? And inevitably, I'll get in that. I'll try to plug into that line. But inevitably, when the person there gets before me, gets in there, they've got things that are unmarked. They've got things that are, um, they don't want. They go, oh, I, I didn't know I got to put that, I put that back. And they've gotten and I'm standing there. And I'm watching these other lines over here that I thought I wouldn't go in because they look, and they're going right on through. And before long, I'm noticing going out the door are people that actually came in the line after I did in another line. And I'm still standing there, okay? Now, what happens with Jim when that takes place? I get impatient. And you're going, oh, wait a minute now. You're making it a little bit more personal. I didn't know that was there. You see, patience actually is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience. Now, why we chuckle is because y'all all know and you can relate. And so there's some things God will deal with you and me in the depths that we never even thought were there. Okay? We'll go get in a line in H-E-B or Kroger and find out exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? You, I guarantee you remember what I said if you do that this next week. That's what we're talking about. The other thing is, is that have you lost your joy? Is your walk with the Lord uh, as, as brisk and fresh as it was when you first came to Jesus? Is your step high step like it was when you first came to Jesus and you began, I mean, you just stepped high because you realized you were forgiven. You, I mean, Lord, I'm so free. You set me free. And all. Is, it, is it free now? Are you, are you doing like that? Are you, are you testifying to Jesus about Jesus to other people, to your friends, and whoever you meet, wherever it may be? Are you living a life, the lifestyle? Or what is it? All these things is what God wants to come. And I call it fix in our lives, okay? And that's repentance. That's turning away. And God will do that if we'll really just seek Him and ask Him to do that. Now we partner with Him. But He gives us the power to do it. But see, the thing of it is, is we can't do it without God's Spirit. You can't just all of a sudden, you know, in a legalistic way say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But let me tell you, God's Spirit can deliver you. God's spirit can set you free, but you got to come. You got to recognize it. You've got to be open minded and allow him to do those things in your life. that He and he alone can do. I want to tell you, we need to respond to him. We need to obviously uh, do it now. I want revival. But he looks at you and me because we know the truth. See, the people out here in the world, they don't. They're blinded. The Bible says that those the enemy has blinded them. They cannot see the truth. And until those blinders are taken off and the truth uh, and the, God reveals his truth, then then obviously they don't see the truth. They're blinded. You see, I gave an example, pastor. I use a pastor because a pastor. <laughs> some people, you supposed to have it together. OK, we're all in this together. We face the same temptations. Anybody else? In fact, Sometimes, maybe more, because the enemy doesn't want that truth. We've been called to proclaim the truth. So if you start proclaiming the truth, the enemy says, nope, I'm going to snuff that out. I'm going to stop that. But anyway, this pastor, well-respected, someone that over the years I've looked at. And remember, he got away on a sabbatical, eight-month sabbatical. 
And he asked the Lord to, to show him in his heart what was there. Remember what the Lord showed him? Selfishness. Sullenness. He sulked when he didn't get his way. He, he was shown some places of anger that came out in anger, actually, there. He came uh, again with selfishness. And he came with uh, also, um, he was quick to blame others. He was moody. He had hopelessness in different areas. You think, golly day, is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. You can have that, you see, and still be a Christian. And so when he starts that work of repentance in my life, in your life, he just wants to bless us. And so that pastor was tested on it. Not shortly out there, remember? His daughter came down and wanted to... Uh, Wanted her her mother and her to go upstairs and watch a movie on their on their tablet and so forth and all and she didn't ask him and so he started to sulk because he wasn't he felt rejection and then he realized what was happening and he said nope I'm not going to receive this and I'm going to bless what God is doing between my my daughter and and, and my wife. And he began to fight, make that change. He, he changed his mind because he was shown that. I'm not saying go and just make things up. I'm saying listen to what the Holy Spirit, if he shows you, then take and change your mind about it and ask him to change your behavior about it, okay? That's where we are. Revival will take place. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. God stunned Israel when he told them that they had robbed him. And he says this, Malachi 3, 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. For you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Here we are. God's people living under the curse. They didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. The church at Laodicea in Revelation talks about, we got everything we need, you see. I don't need anything. Why are you telling me this? I need nothing. We got a big building. We've got a good, wonderful budget with plenty of money in it. We've got all these types of things. We've got missions. We've got all this type of thing. And Jesus said, no. He said, you're wretched and blind and naked. And he said, he'll spit, spit, him, spit them out of their mouth, out of his mouth because of that lukewarmness. You're lukewarm. I want to be hot. I want to be on fire. I don't want lukewarmness. I want that. But see, what happens is the things of this world come in and they get my attention more than Jesus does, you see. Because why? I make a choice. My choice now is to repent and to come back to Him and turn back to Him and allow Him to do that work in my heart and life. And that's personal. That's personal today. But He will because He wants to. And certainly He is able to. Certainly here. You remember me talk, talking, I may have mentioned pastor and his wife were going to a revival meeting. It was back in the early 90s in Brownsville, uh, Brownsville uh, Revival Center, actually, in Pensacola. And um, they were going, many people got saved, a lot of young people were getting saved in that uh, move of God. And the pastor and his wife went, and actually, before they got there, they were arguing like crazy. And, and they didn't wonder why. They just couldn't get along and, and all that. And they realized when they came in, the power of God's Spirit was so powerful. God began to show them things in their lives that they needed to get right. Now, this is the pastor and his wife. He begins with us. Begins in the church house. 
and showed them. Didn't even realize it was there. But it caused the conflict. And the enemy probably didn't want them to go to that, to be shown that. Because under the spotlight of the Holy Spirit, God may reveal things in my heart and your heart we didn't even think were there. We thought everything is fine. I'm going through my religious motions, everything. But God is saying, no, I want to bless you. Because that's the whole thing. Again, the book of Genesis points it out and all through the Bible. It's about that blessing. And we can't until we let these things go. We bring them to him. Something happens when we confess. What does confession mean? It means agreeing with God. They're here, Lord. Get rid of them. Agreeing with God and allowing God to, to uh, take these things away from us, to work these things out in our lives. It's very important. But yet you think about it today. Obviously, there, I believe our sin is at three levels. First of all, it's impact on God. Here, a holy God, he loves us so much. He gives us life and breath and everything else. He takes care of us, doesn't he? Uh, I thought about the people in Ukraine. They're having their houses, apartments, everything is being wiped out. They're having to send somebody up from their bomb shelter to get food when they go out. They don't know if that person will, be a, will come back. Uh, uh, and bring the food back to them or not because of the fighting that's going on above ground and so forth and all these types of things and all. And, and God is, is obviously taking care of them. Our prayers make a difference again, by the way. But we have so much stuff. God has blessed us. He's, takes, he's given us the freedom that we have here. There are men and women have gone before us in different wars have fought for the freedom of the United States of America. Thank you, Lord. We live in a free country and there's a fight today for freedom because freedom, obviously, I don't believe is necessarily free. It's a fight. But we obviously our sin has an impact upon God. Do you realize it breaks his heart? Do you realize that he loves us so much, but yet it breaks his heart when we do that or when we don't? We're not obedient. We say, I'm just not going to do that. I don't I just don't understand it quite. And therefore, I'm not going to do it or whatever it may be. It has an impact upon him. But also we see it has our sin has an impact on other people. People watch us. People watch your life. You know, and you don't even have to say that you're a Christian. They know by seeing your life that you're different. And yet it impacts other people. I don't know if you've ever had anybody tell you that before. I remember years ago. I remember I was going through some real tough stuff and, and it was over here in Pearland. There were some real challenges because I was not in ministry at the time. And and a lady came up and said, Jim, is God dealing in your life? Is he working, doing something? I said, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. But I remember that the things I had done and I thought back and I said, how am I conducting myself? Because I didn't realize people were watching me, but they're watching you. It has impact. Our families, it has an impact. They watch how we respond to situations. They They really watch how we respond to the crisis in our lives and the lives of others. It has an impact on our children, our grandchildren. We know, I believe, there are generational uh, sins and generational curses that are there. A lot of churches don't. I believe there is, scripturally. And so we can pass that stuff down if we don't get it right. But you see, I don't want to do that. I have a family coming behind me. I want God to get rid of this stuff in my life. Anything that's not like him. Its impact upon other people is very, very prominent. But also its impact upon me. Okay. Its impact upon me. Certainly here. 
Galatians uh, talks about it. And uh, Haggai, consider your ways, he says here. You know, Dr. Phil often asks the question, he says this, how's that working for you? Now, Dr. Phil has some extreme, but sometimes the people will say they're doing this and that, and he'll go, how's that working for you? How's it working? By continuing in your same old ways instead of repenting. How's that working for you, Jim? You think you're going along? You see, it has an impact upon us. And it's important because I want to tell you, sin changes a person for the worse. And you no limit. And once you start down that road, it's a slippery path. And that's what's happened, I believe, all across this country and around the world. You take one step, yeah, I compromise. It's not bad. It's not too bad, you know. I mean, what people do behind closed doors really doesn't make any difference, right, to me. As long as it doesn't have an impact on me, they let them do what they want to do. How many of you have ever heard that before? Okay. What they do behind closed doors doesn't bother me. And so, see, when you compromise, when I compromise, obviously it's like taking poison one drop at a time. It's devastating. Sin never, ever works out. That's why the bar has been set very high by this word right here. By God's standard. Now you go, how am I going to reach that? You can't on your own. Only by God's power and His Spirit in our lives can that ever, we ever, we cannot. We don't have the ability. But we do with God in our lives doing that. So consider its impact upon you. Remember Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5. God asked Israel, what fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They became like the thing that they followed. Do you know whatever you put first in your life, that is what you will likely become. Okay? If it's money, then you'll worship money. If it's a job, it will be that you worship your job. If you put something in that place of God Almighty, then actually that's what you become. If you focus on this and, and these immorality, this, all these things out there, or whatever it may be, that's what you become. You begin to very subtly begin to become like that. But you see, when you focus on Jesus, and when the things of God are priority in your life, in my life, you become more like Him. When you look at it and say, God, you're going to be first. That's why when we ask Jesus to come in our life and be Lord of our lives, we mean Lord of everything. And so this is why it's, it's very important that we need to repent. Consider God's goodness. God wants the very best for you and me. The world is leading us into a trap. A trap that obviously we, obviously we sometimes have to just really work to get out of with God's help. But if we consider God's goodness, why would we want? Why would we want God's best? It's because we think we know what's best. It's the old sin back in the Garden of Eden. We want to be our own God. We want to make our own decisions. We want to make our own choices. It's the same thing down throughout history and it will be until Jesus Christ comes back. Amen. But consider God's goodness. He's good. He is good all the time. And He says, come back to me. Think about God as your creator. He created us all. He put it all together. Uh, the God of all creation. See, we think that somehow that man, if I can just get through today, 
And then I step into tomorrow, maybe I can get through tomorrow and so forth. And that's all there is to life. But let me tell you, life is a lot more to that than, than that, what we're talking about. I want to tell you, it's a relation, it's vibrant, it's alive. It's obviously, it's something that we're like looking forward to. We want to be with God. You know, I've always used the story. The old pastor, he wouldn't get up on, uh, on Sunday morning. And he laid there and laid there. And the mother said, come on, go to church. Got to go to church. You got to go to church and all that. And he finally got up. He said, why do I have to go to church? And his mother says, because you're the pastor. But here's the thing. What do we put first in our lives? What is a priority with us? That's what we obviously will, uh, will be Lord over our lives. Whatever it may be. What do we worship? I mentioned pray. Lord, I want to be a worshiper of God. What is it you worship? What is it that have you put in your life that's above God in your life? That is obviously something we need to repent of. God will show you in his way. He's not going to hit you with a big old stick. He wants to set us free and he wants to bless us. But we have to respond. God says that. Think and consider that. The creator, he's our redeemer. He gave his all. Why should we not give back? We obviously can never repay him for what he did for us. But he redeemed us. That word redeemed means taken out of slavery. We were in slavery, enslaved to sin. And he redeemed us. He pulled us out and redeemed us. So why? Think about it. As your coming king. He's coming back. <laughs> You're looking forward to it. In Revelation, which we studied not too long ago, it said every eye will see him when he comes. Every eye. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day that will take place. Why not do it now? Why not look at him as your redeemer? Thank you, Lord, for being our redeemer. You see, sometimes you go, well, I don't feel like th being thankful. Well, give the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice. Thank him anyway. Begin to thank him and watch your whole attitude change. What about him as your, as your redeemer here? See, we take, we'll take time to think about these things and, and we'll be inclined to turn from sin if we think about the things of God and set our affection on things above, the Bible says. Too much entertainment is a distraction from what really matters. It takes time to ponder eternal issues. They that wait upon the Lord will realize important things and repent. How we spend our time matters and what we choose to focus on, our thoughts on matters, certainly here. You remember there, Pentecostal movement? The 120 were up in the upper room. They tarried. They waited upon the Holy Spirit. We don't have to tarry. We can do it right now. You can do it right in your seat, right where you are. God's shown you something in your life. And he's just saying, uh, bring, bring it to me. I want to take care of it. I want to bless you. I don't want you to carry that weight anymore. But also, you got to choose. Choice. Lynette and I were talking about it. And Lynette says, you know, Jim, it's all about choice. It is. It's choose. Choose which way we're going here. But it says here in verses 19 to 20, which we read, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the, the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it here. He's saying here, we make a choice. Got to be willing, got to be obedient. And you've got to be willing to step out and let God take it. Repentance is important. A lot of people when bad things happen, what do they say? Why is this happening to me? And they don't ever actually look to say, okay, they're wrong choices they have made many times and whatever, and they got in a whole heap of trouble. And then maybe sometimes they want to blame God about it. And God is saying, I didn't have anything to do with it. You did it yourself. 
But we turn to Him. We realize you see your circumstances different. You see people differently. You see uh, current events differently. You have a different worldview than other people today. I know how this thing is going to wind up. Do you? <laughs> okay. I don't know. Think Jesus is coming back soon? Anybody? We don't know the time, right? But I'll tell you, he's getting prepared. You look at the things, the events around uh, the world, some prophetic people are saying every, every prophecy has been fulfilled that needs to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back again. I don't know. But we need to be ready, don't we? Suppose you're pre-trib. That the rapture takes place before. Or, or some people are post-trib. But if it's before, we, we, you know, there's good arguments on both sides, I've always said. But think about it. Be ready. We're in a time of preparation. And God wants us to have His very best here. But the big danger is you and I face is the same as the Pharisees they faced in Jesus' day. The danger of thinking that we're okay, but other people need to repent. You ever sitting here thinking, boy, I wish that person would get their life right in this situation. And God's speaking to you. And you know what? I'm, I'm easy to say, boy, somebody else. Somebody else needs this word. Not me. Not me. Don't end that the way we are. I mean, let's get real. We look at, I, I'm, I'm not there, but I know somebody that is. Because then you get out and boy, you're murmuring back, complain and all this stuff and all that. And God is saying, I'm trying to get your attention. I want you to repent, right? And yet we say, as somebody else. Everybody else needs it, but I don't. I'm okay here. But you see, the depths of repentance, actually, we need to touch our heart. It's a depth of repentance. It's something down deep. And you see, I, when I, again, the calling, discipleship, is a part of that. Is that God would work in our hearts. Not just we would. We're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Thank God for that. That's that's beginning. But there's more in our walk with the Lord. As we grow and we mature. I want to mature. I don't want to stay the same. I want to mature in Jesus. That's why we study the word. That's why we preach. That's why we fellowship. And that's why we uh, obviously live our lives for the Lord. We need to mature here. Repentance is not just a one time thing. It's a way of life. Jesus taught us to pray. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We know it. That's a daily thing here. And don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Repentance is a daily matter. Ask God to give you a repentant heart. Because it is really valuable. Ask him. He'll do it. I want to tell you. You want to go a deeper level of repentance? You want a greater intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ? You want your relationship with Jesus Christ to be revived and to come to a place like you've never known before that he becomes your all in all that you obviously in the book of Ephesians it said I've got something against you. You've lost your first love. You've walked away from those priorities in your life of putting Jesus Christ first in your life and all these other things have jockeyed for their position in your life and we put them in there. What is it in your life in my life that needs to take another path? We all got it. We need to repent. I wouldn't be teaching this today if I thought, hey, I got it together. Okay. You guys need to get it right, right? No, I need to get it right. I need to repent. I need to repent about any worry that sometimes comes in 
impatience that I've talked about. Impatience. Those things that we can really relate to. Worry. A lack of faith about this and that. Not walking by faith. Actually walking by sight instead of walking by faith. All of these things are a part. But it's a part of the body of Christ today. And all God wants to do is bless you and me if we'll just repent. Ask Him to obviously go in and nurture a repentant heart. He will. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, Your truth. And thank You for Your presence. Lord, give us repentant hearts. Search us and try us and see if there's any offensive way within us and lead us into the way everlasting. Lord, we pray that today in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do that in my life and the lives of all who are here today to come and give us that because you just want to bless us. You want to use us for your glory. You want us to have that abundant life. You want us to have that fresh step in our high step in our step. We want to return to our first love. We need you, Lord. Help us to do that, Lord. Don't turn away, Lord. We know you won't. But help us, Lord, to turn to you. And we choose the day to come. Here we are, Lord. Pick us up. Hold us. Help us through what we're facing, whatever it may be here in this church today, in this country. And we all pray together and intercede for the people in Ukraine. We ask you, Father, today that this war, this war would actually come to an abrupt end in Jesus' name. In the meantime, we ask you, Lord, to protect all who are involved. We ask you to change uh, Vladimir Putin's heart, that he would turn away from shelling and fighting and so forth. We ask you, Lord, today that you would stop him in his tracks. And dear God, today that you would again pour your spirit out during this time and actually revival and awakening would take place across that country, along across that landscape. People worshiping you, oh God, and giving you praise. Father, do that today, please. We ask you to do that. And we ask you, Lord, to revive this church. We ask you to let the fire of the Holy Spirit fall upon every heart in this place. Cold hearts, lukewarm hearts, whatever they may be, set us ablaze, Lord, for Jesus Christ. May you forever and ever be praised. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We need to pray for that. And we need to pray that this would turn into an awakening. Thank you for watching today. Thank you. Come back next week and we will pray. Keep praying. Keep trusting. We need to pray that this would turn into a revival. What the, the enemy meant bad you know uh, in the book of Genesis the last chapter there when uh, Joseph was being confronted by his brothers remember he said no what what you meant for evil God meant for good and so he can turn evil around okay believe it keep believing don't look like we're 6,000 miles plus whatever way we can make a difference cover them in prayer I believe that he'll he'll protect people like we've never known before. But he looks to you and me to stand in the gap. Amen. Anybody? Okay. Thank you for listening. Repentance. Interesting.